All right, Soul Company. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. My name is Colin, and I work here at Soul Company. Uh, if it's your first time here, we're so glad that you are here. Uh, just one more clarifying thing. If you're wondering what a late night is, like wh- why should I stick around? What, what we're going to do is we're going to answer questions that you guys sent in. And, and typically, those questions are going to be things that are hard to cover from the stage in, in a message like the one I'm about to give. And so we're, we're just going to go and, and answer some of those questions. Would love you to stick around. I think it'll be really helpful for you. Uh, tonight, we're going to be in Matthew 11. We love to teach the Bible. And so uh, if you want to follow along, you can flip there uh, or pull out your phone and, and get there. Uh, as, you, as you turn there, I got a, I got a question for you. Uh, have you guys ever had moments where you realized that you're out of shape? Uh, like, by the noise of the room, yes. Uh, like, you're walking upstairs, you're fine, you're, you're okay. You then walk upstairs trying to hold a conversation, struggle, huffing and puffing a little bit. Uh, you... Summer's coming up. One of my favorite summer activities, playing, playing some sort of sport outside, basketball, you know. And, you know, f- first or second run of the year, get, get some up and downs in. I realized that, you know, playing 2K all winter doesn't translate to my cardio. It's a bummer. Uh, most recent example, though, of me realizing I'm out of shape, uh, my dad helps lead young, like, uh, middle school guys in a Bible study. Aw, really cute. Uh, and he needed he needed someone to help out, so I went to help out. I was just a body in the room, like here, you know, there to whatever, hang out. And they didn't really care what I had to say. That's fine. Uh, but it was after where they wanted to play Gaga Ball that I was I was excited to jump in. Felt like I could really contribute there. Uh, so if you don't know what Gaga Ball is, that's fine. It's this it's this game you play. You're in a restricted area, so you're you're not moving that much. Uh, you're you know kind of trying like like dodgeball kind of thing. You're trying to avoid the ball, whatever. Uh, and so I played for uh, probably ten minutes, guys. I was huffing and puffing bad, like. It was the middle of winter. It was January. I was walking outside, like, taking off my sweatshirt and my coat, like, trying to air out my T-shirt. My dad looks at me, and he goes, Colin, what did you just do? And I was like, played a game inside with middle schoolers. And it was at that point I knew I had a problem, and I started working out. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real story. But you guys all, you guys all ha- have these experiences where you – Realize that maybe you're, maybe you're a little bit out of shape doing an activity that feels like it shouldn't have caused you that much exhaustion. And so my, my question for you tonight is that do you guys ever feel like your soul is out of shape? Like you're just walking through life, you're doing pretty normal things, you're waking up, you're going to class, but then as you go to lay down at night, you realize that your soul is just really tired, you feel like you're going from one thing to the next, and you just can't quite seem to keep up. That you're, you're weary. You're maybe emotionally, physically, spiritually shot of breath. 
And, and tonight, we're going to look at, at a story. We're going to actually hear from Jesus about a way for, for us to get rest for our souls. A, a way for us, for our souls, the thing that's maybe out of shape when it shouldn't be, for us to, to get the rest that we want. And so we're going to see Jesus give us an invitation into rest. And then, and then we're going to end by talking about three requirements to experience that rest. So, so where are we going? We're going to talk about the invitation to rest and then three requirements to experience that rest. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. This is what it says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These three verses are one of the more famous invitations of Jesus, and it's an invitation of Jesus to rest. So I just want to break down this invitation for you. It starts by saying, come to me. It starts by saying, hey, this is an invitation. I'm throwing out the invitation. Who does he throw the invitation to? All, everyone who's tired, who's weary, who has heavy things going on. So if you maybe felt like your soul tired at the beginning of the night, Jesus has something to say to you. And what, what does he have to say to you. He says that he, why should you come to him? Because he will give you rest. That's what he says. I will give you rest. And he says, and then you can learn from me. You not only will I give you rest once, but you can learn a rhythm of rest where you don't have to fight, continue to fight for rest, but you can learn this new way of life where your soul is rested. And then Jesus describes his heart. In this invitation to rest, Jesus describes his heart. And I don't know if you know this, but this is the, the only time in your Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. The only time in your whole Bible where Jesus describes his own heart. And this is how he describes it. It's not fast and judgmental. It's not busy. It's not mission focused. It's not anticipatory or anxious. It's two words gentle and lowly. And in this heart of Jesus, where it's gentle and lowly, you can find rest for your souls. Which means his heart being gentle and lowly is not just something that's true of him, but something that matters for your life. The heart of Jesus has something to say to you. So what's he doing when he's describing his heart, when he's inviting us into this rest? He's saying that there's a way to experience, not just know the life of rest that Jesus offers, but to experience it in your life. That this can be a reality for you. And so how does he do that? He goes on in, in Matthew 12 to, to tell us this story about him and his disciples on the Sabbath. And, and the Sabbath is, is a term that's, would have been familiar to them, but maybe strange to us. So I just want to give you a little bit of background. The Sabbath was this Old Testament practice 
where people would step away from work for an entire day to, to know and to delight in God. It, it's modeled after Genesis 2 when God creates the world. He, on the seventh day, he rests. This is what it says in Genesis 2. Verse 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God's people model this this rhythm of rest after God himself, and then God again instructs his people to do it in the Ten Commandments, So, Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness, and keep the Sabbath holy. Like, practice this rhythm of rest. So, in this story in Matthew 12, where Jesus talks about this Sabbath rhythm that they would have known about, but but we just learned about, that him and his disciples are walking through the field and they pick grain, something that would have been, like, should not do on the Sabbath. And so there are some religious leaders that look at them and say, what are you doing? You're, you're breaking the rules of the Sabbath. And then Jesus has this profound teaching about the Sabbath where he says that the Sabbath isn't about rules to be followed, but a relationship to be fostered. It's about a relationship. It wasn't about trying to be like God. It was about trying to know God what he's like and what relationship with him would be. So there are two elements to Sabbath. It's not just stopping from work. It's not just like setting aside work. It's also a type of rest where we delight in God, where we foster our relationship with him. It's stopping work and delighting in God. So the religious leaders knew how to stop from work, but they didn't know how to delight in God. And in your Bible actually backs this up. So your Bible has two Hebrew words for rest, among other things. And they have two a little bit different meanings. So the first word is Shabbat, which means rest. It literally means stopping from activities. But there's another word that means nuak, which also means rest, but it means to the type of rest where you delight. And so the, the religious leaders knew how to Shabbat, but they didn't know how to Nuach. They knew how to stop from work, rest from work, but they didn't know how to rest and delight in God. And so for you, I want you to rest like that. To rest in order to rest. To stop work in order to delight in God. To Shabbat in order to Nuach. And so, for the rest of our time, for the most part, we're going we're gonna to talk about three requirements, three things that, re- that are required in order for you to experience the rest that Jesus offers you. So if you're raising your hand like, man, I am worn out, I want you to listen to these three things and see what God might have for you. First thing, first requirement of rest is humility. We need to come to the understanding that we possibly don't know as much as Jesus knows. 
that when we come to him, we have to come to him low, worn out, weary. We come to him in need for him to give something to us. But I've experienced a lot of life where I don't come to Jesus with something I need from him, but something that I say to him, something maybe like this. Jesus, I'll, I'll rest. I know you've invited me in to rest, but I will practice rest when the semester's over and all the work is done. Or, Jesus, I don't really know, like this rest thing, like that sounds good intellectually. I'm just not sure that's like actually what I need right now. Or Jesus, you don't, like, I, I get you write that in the Bible, but you don't really understand how busy and stressed I am. I got a lot going on. Or, or Jesus, I, I feel like you, you've called me to be an engineer or, or a doctor, and if I rest, if I stop for even a, a second to slow down, then I, I, I won't live out this calling that you have for me. Or Jesus, I do rest. I call it six hours of sleep at night even though I wake up feeling stressed. Or, or Jesus, I, I try to rest, but in reality, that rest looks a little more like distraction, so I just drown out the feelings of feeling like I'm tired. So for you, what is the reason that you don't slow down, to step away from the work that needs to get done in order to delight in Jesus. Why do you not slow down? Because this is what I think Jesus is trying to say in Matthew 11, and he's saying it gently, like on his knees, just close. He says, I think what he's trying to say is, maybe you don't know what's best for your soul. And I do. Maybe it's possible that I know what your soul needs more than you know what your soul needs. Because your soul, it's the most intimate and important part of you. And it's hurried. And we need to, in humility, realize that maybe we need to step away from the busyness in order to realize that busyness isn't just a situational thing. It's something that's true inside of us. And we also need to realize in our humility that we, in fact, are not God. We can't keep going and, and just like fighting, our, fighting against our soul because our soul is such an integral part of us and yet our soul does not belong to us. Our soul is something that we steward, not something that we own. We care for our souls. It, our soul has been purchased by Jesus. And we maybe don't know what's best. It, it reminds me of, of this line in a movie, uh, The Lord of the Rings. If you guys know the series, awesome. If you don't know the series, you should. Read the books, watch the movies. They're, they're amazing. Uh, but the Lord of the Rings is uh, this like epic adventure of really two primary friends. They're hobbits. They're just so fun. Sam and Frodo. Uh, and 
And Sam is an amazing friend to Frodo. That's really what you need to know about the Lord of the Rings. Sam's an amazing friend to Frodo. That's not the only thing to know, but it's a good thing to know. And in in one of these, like, at kind of the, the decline of one of these epic scenes, Sam says to Frodo, which is maybe weird, but I'll make the connection. He's, he says this, I wonder what sort of tale we've fallen into. And here's why I love that. Here's why I think that's profound and why it matters to us is because in that statement, what's Sam saying? I'm not the creator of the story that I'm living in. I'm a creature in the story. And I think for us, we need to realize that we are not the creator of our souls or even the creator of the stories that we're living in. We're creatures in the story that God's writing. And he maybe knows what's best and how to best live in that story, how to flourish in the midst of that story and so coming to that realization is maybe going to be hard because we have to realize that we're not in control of our story and it'll be hard up until you realize that the writer of your story is gentle and lowly, near to people that are tired and out for your good. He's bringing you to an amazing place. So we need to realize that we're not the writer of our story in humility, but we need to realize that the author of the story is really good and is out for our good and that you matter to him. Coming to this realization is like being a patient in a doctor's office where we need to humbly trust what the doctor says in trusting our soul to a doctor that knows how to care for it and fix it. So it requires humility to realize that we might need to stop and it requires humility to realize that the one we need to draw near to maybe knows better than us but can feed us. It requires humility to Shabbath and to Nuak, to rest and to rest. Both require humility. And so what's the humble step that you need to take? The humble step that you need to take is maybe a prayer you need to pray where you say, God, I am not God. I'm not creator, I'm creature. A a little while ago at Saul Company, we received this encouragement where it was pray every night. God, thank you that I am not God, that I need to sleep and you do not. And I've prayed that prayer pretty much every night since then and, and it has been so good for my soul. And so maybe we need to not only pray that prayer at night, but also pray that prayer at the beginning of a day where we step away from our work and say, God, I am not God. And so I cannot work all the time. But while I step away from work, you will continue to work. Or maybe it's a confession that you need to make to see to your campus group where, where you say, hey, I work so hard because I feel like I need to be in control. And so help me to, to not need to be in control because God's the one in control. Maybe it's just the fact that you need to slow down and in humility say, God, I entrust my life to you. So first thing that's required to experience rest is humility. Second thing, we need to learn that rest is something that we receive. I think one of the reasons that we struggle so much with rest is that we think we need to earn rest. We think rest is something that comes 
like, uh, it's like accumulated, right? Like a, a job where you accumulate paid time off. We accumulate our vacation days. So therefore, I work really hard and I accumulate my rest. Here, maybe if I, if I put it in your world, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. I thought like this when I was in school, and maybe you think like this now, where you think, beginning of the semester, okay, things are going all right. Like, syllabus week, I'm a little bit stressed, because everyone's like, syllabus week's so easy, and then everyone gets stressed in the middle of syllabus week, because they realize how hard their classes are going to be. So then you're like, you're fine, okay? Then st- things start ramping up, and you start to get a little stressed. You start to get, like, a little bit tired, but you're like, it's fine. I can keep going. I can push through. I can study seven days a week, because spring break's only four weeks away, and then you get to spring break, and you're like, halfway through spring break, and you're like, oh, gosh. I just caught my breath. And then spring break comes to like a crashing halt just for you to get back into the grind and say, man, I'm studying seven days a week, but it's okay because I only have six to seven weeks left in the semester. And if I study all the time, then maybe I can get to the end of the semester. And finally, the end of the semester, just for you to start the summer job that you always wanted and you work every day over the summer. And you come to the realization that this is just my college experience. And and I want to say this as someone who's a, a few years older, you can trust me or not, but trust me. I hear a lot of students say, this is just a busy stretch of my life when they're talking about college. Your life will only get busier. Filled with more responsibilities, more things to do and tasks to complete. And maybe there are some of you in this room that like, Maybe you're working one too many jobs, you need to step away. But I think by and large, we think that we are the most busy people on the planet. And that eventually it will just naturally slow down. And I think what I'm saying to you is that life by and large will just get busier, more hectic, more stressful, and more anxiety inducing. And so we need to learn now how to be people that rest well which means we need a better solution to our rest. And I think one of those solutions is to realize that rest is not something you achieve. It's something that you receive from God. Let me prove this to you. If you take out calendars, by and large, for the most part, calendars start on Sunday and go until Saturday, which means the makeup of your calendar dictates that you rest on day one and work days two through seven, not the other way around. That we rest in order to work. We do not work in order to rest. It's It's like a car. You start your week with a car on a full gas tank. You rest in order to work. You do not work in order to rest. But I think a lot of us treat work as something that we need to, or we, We need to do until one day we have worked hard enough and then we can rest. Instead, we should rest and realize that our work will follow. The world will not end. So what would it look like for you to hear the call of Jesus and to step away from your work, your homework, your tasks, and your to-do lists, not when the work is done, not when all the boxes are checked, but regularly and rhythmically in order to care for your soul. To receive the life that Jesus is inviting you into. Not to achieve all the work and then one day I'll experience it, but to say, I can experience it right now because I've humbled myself before God. What would it look like for you to start your days and your weeks from a place of rest? 
So let me just give you a few examples. Like your day. Uh, I start my mornings uh, typically with a shower. I need to wake up. I don't just like roll out of bed ready to go. So I, I typically shower, but then I, I, first thing I do other than that is I spend time with God. So maybe for you it's 10 minutes. Like 10 minutes, set your alarm 10 minutes earlier. And, and this is a rhythm that's worked for me in the past and maybe it'll work for you. So 10 minutes, I spend two minutes right away on the front end just quieting my heart, maybe with a journal next to you. As things come to mind, man, I gotta remember to do that. Just write it down. It's okay, it'll stay there. It's not going anywhere. Just quiet my heart. Slow my heart down. Ease my anxieties before God. And then maybe I spend five minutes reading God's word. Just seeing what God has to say. We believe God speaks through his word. It's not just a book of history. It's an active book that God can use now to shape our lives. So maybe I'm five minutes in God's word and then three minutes on the back end. Again, praying and quieting my heart before God, preparing for the day that he has for me ahead, not, react, not constantly living in a state of reacting to it. I'm resting and then I'm working. I'm not working and then I'm resting. And then maybe for your week, you take a Saturday or a Sunday and you slow down. You step away from your work. You Shabbat in order to nuach. You rest from the tasks in order to rest in God. And, and, and you receive what God has given to you so you can go from that place and, and be a great worker in the places where he has you. Guys, I do this because, not because it's like cute, but because I need it. Like I do this myself because I just need to live my life from a place of rest, not live my life working for it, working for the next vacation, the next time off, the next holiday. But to say, I, I, I wanna be someone who's rested and who knows and delights in Jesus before I left my house and have done any work. Before I'm a productive person, I'm someone who sat with Jesus. So rest is received. It's not achieved. It's received. Third thing, rest requires enjoyment. Rest requires enjoyment. Guys, you guys don't feel rested, by and large, unless you're doing something that you love. And I want you to know that God delights in you loving the things that he has created you to love. It makes me think of Psalm 19 when he says, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Like the things that you have given to me, they, they, they cheer my soul. So a great way, I think, for everyone to experience this like rest that, or this enjoyment that God is calling you to is to spend time with him. Like what we just talked about is 10 minutes a day, but then maybe on the days where you slow down, you, you take extended time, 30 minutes, and you have a journal and, and a Bible, and, and you open it and see what God has to say to you. And I'm, I'm wondering if the reason that we don't do that very often is because we wonder what are we going to find when we slow down enough to actually hear what God might have to say to us. And you know what? It might be hard. But here's the promise that I have for you, even if it's hard. That is the way that you receive rest and know Jesus more intimately. The hard thing is always worth it. 
It, it brings you closer to rest. It brings you closer to the heart of Jesus. And remember the two words that Jesus uses to describe his heart are gentle and lowly. And so even with your time in God, even when you bring some, some stuff that you're not sure what he'll think, here is what's true of the heart of Jesus, is that he will respond to those things in a way where, where he's gentle and lowly, close to sinners and eager to receive them. So one way to enjoy your rest is to spend time with God, but then God has wired each of us with unique personalities and, and giftings and, and in different ways where we delight. And so I want you to think about how do I rest is, is ways that I worship, ways that I love my life and love God and the, love the life that he has given to me. So for example, the introverts in the room. Any introverts in the room? Oh, I'm surprised one introvert was like, yeah, I'm an introvert. Uh, Introverts in the room should make plans with people in order to cancel them. Because when you can't, when introverts cancel plans, it is like, yes, praise God. He is so good. He is king and Lord and loves me. Or you just don't have to make plans. But you got like you guys rest by, by spending some time alone. Extroverts in the room, where are they? Yeah, there's a little more energy. There you go. Uh, got, maybe you spend part of your day hanging out with people that you love, that, that bring you life, laughing. Not that introverts don't like to laugh. It's just that introverts don't like to laugh. Uh, I'm totally kidding. Introverts, we love you. And you can be social introverts. Uh, anyway. Uh, maybe you like watching movies. And so you spend part of your Sabbath, part of your time away from your work, delighting in God, watching a movie that you love that will, that will like just make you love your life. Don't watch movies all day. It'll turn your brain to mush though. So just, okay, keep with me. Uh, maybe you like to read, pick up a novel, get lost in it. Maybe you like to go outside. Everyone should like to go outside. The weather was so nice today. Come on. Go for a walk. Yes. Like play, when it gets nice enough and the snow melts, play basketball, play soccer. Like do things that you love. Maybe you like to golf and you realize that there is still snow on the ground. Guys, the graduate swing suite when you're a college student is so cheap. You, like they, they should pay me to tell you that. I mean, I'm serious. Like you should do that. Maybe, guys, maybe you, you use your brain so much the other six days of the week that you're just like, I need to do something with my hands. Get a little weird. Get like a leather making kit. Drew, like make some wallets. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe you do some woodworking. Maybe you're an artist and paint or draw. I don't like do something that makes you love your life. Or everyone, everyone should do this. You guys don't sleep enough. I hear about some of your sleeping habits. Every one of you on a day that you Sabbath should take a nap and love your life. So much, okay? Uh, But do things when you step away from the responsibilities, from the day-to-day tasks that God has for, for you, they will still be there the next day. But when you step away from them, do things that you love. Do things that make you worship. Do things that make you smile and and. Make your heart stirred for, for the life that God has given to you. So I, I actually, quick th- few things I want to caution you on, okay? I think there are some ways that we think we rest, but we really distract. And so I just caution you to not binge TV. Don't binge like phone or your social media. Don't binge video games or 
movies, and I, I think those things are good and can be right in correct doses, but I don't think those are the things that are like drawing your heart towards Jesus all the time for like 12 hours a day. Um, so maybe, this is, this is crazy, okay, stay with me, maybe you turn off your phone and the world won't end. Unless Jesus comes back, then you wouldn't want to be looking at your phone anyways, right? So turn off your phone, guys. The world won't end, and if you're going to, like, knock on it, before you knock on it, try it. Just try to turn off your phone. See, see what happens. Here's the other thing your Sabbath should include. Good food. Great food. Like, you guys, if you like pizza, build your own pizza night. Uh, if you like Chipotle, it is a little bit expensive, maybe for you college students, but maybe it's the one day of the week where you, you know, ball out, you buy Chipotle, and you're like, God, you did not have to make chicken, vegetables, and rice taste this good with the Chipotle Tabasco. It's the only way to eat it. And you say, yes, Lord Jesus. Come on. Or not, like, okay, maybe you're not a Chipotle person, but you love the sweet sweet taste of pre-blessed chicken that the sovereign Lord above has appointed for Chick-fil-A to be the bringer of the first fruits of the kingdom of God, right? Like you're just like, yes, Lord Jesus, this is good. And someone's like, Chick-fil-A's closed on Sunday, maybe you don't Sabbath on Sunday, okay? Here we go. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, never mind. We're, We're here, we're here, we're here. But from the food you eat to the time you spend with God, your Sabbath, your time away, your time stepping away from work to delight in God should be full of enjoyment. Because that's the place where you will find the rest for your souls. And yes, it requires humility. And yes, it requires being received as opposed to being achieved. And so maybe for you, like a one day feels like a lot. And so maybe you start with three hours. Like, I'm going to set aside three hours. I'm going to step away from work in order to to delight. Maybe six hours. Maybe you work up to an entire day of stepping away from the things, the tasks, the to-do list in order to delight in what God has for you. But I, I think that you'll find in those moments that God wants to bring you to a place of rest. But that can be scary. And so I want to like instill some confidence in you as you slow down to be with God. As maybe some of those things that you're afraid will come up, come up. I want to remind you of something. And that is that we can slow down to be with God because he didn't slow down in pursuing us. So God like became human flesh in Jesus and he lived a perfect life and he went to the cross and he died and he rose from the grave. So the most significant work that happens in your life will not happen in the years ahead, but happened at the cross of Jesus and you can rest in your relationship with him. You can rest in that. And then when he rises, he then ascends into heaven, and he said, I will be with you always, which makes God's words in Exodus 33 all the more true. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus, we actually get the Spirit of God, the the one who brings rest to our souls, and that's available to you. You just need to slow down to, to recognize that he's offering it to you. And so would you pray with me that he would make that true of us? God, thanks for, thanks for the reminder that I'm not God. 
I needed that this week, that I'm not the creator, I'm the creation, that I'm not the owner of my soul, I'm the one whom you've entrusted it to, you purchased my soul at the cross. And so God, help me to slow down, help me to turn my eyes to you. For me, help my Fridays to be honoring to you. Help my days away from work to be days delighting in you. And God, when I don't feel like I can slow down, remind me that my soul matters enough to you that you would not stop in pursuing it so I can stop to delight in you. God, we love you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.